welcome to our first guest episode of The Bali Effect. Um, oh, I know we're here. I'm Preeti Tana. I'm Didi Perry. And The Bali Effect is a podcast about different moments in different people's lives. And we talk about pivot points and all sorts of fun stuff, but we'll get to that. We'll get to it. <laughs> we'll get to Shouldn't it. we get to it pretty soon? We should, yeah, for sure. Because this is like inaugural. It is. I have a question for you, Preeti Tana. What's going on, Didi Perry? Why the hell did you want to do a podcast? Everybody and their mother has a podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the question that I'll uh, Aside from my, like, fond love of talking into microphones, uh, I don't know. I feel as though I wanted to hear people's stories because I've been impacted by some of our friends and family and even people on airplanes and taxis and the Uber driver and I had a great conversation today mm. and I thought why not chat about different things that have made people sort of pivot in their lives but also I love telling stories yes <laughs> so that's really why I wanted to do a podcast fantastic and you are a wonderful storyteller and mm. so I have I... a wonderful storytelling partner why did you want to do this podcast because I love talking to you. <laughs> I know. Like, seriously, I, I really feel transported on some level every time we have a conversation. And I'm not just saying that because we have on, you know, headphones and microphones. and We're doing a podcast. We're doing a podcast. Well, I think that's part of why we wanted to do it. Because we were having all of these awesome, uplifting, maybe not so uplifting, but conversations. And why not share the wealth of knowledge that you have, Dee Dee? <laughs> We're, we're dropping a microphone into a, a long-running conversation <laughs> that I hope will accompany us throughout the rest of our lives. A conversation that started in 2014 in Bali. That felt like yesterday. I actually feel like it felt like it feels like you know a different lifetime ago. Can we go back? We should go back. <laughs> we're gonna talk. We'll go back. We'll talk about that with our guest. Okay. Today's well, Monday. It so is. It is Monday, and I've I have a question track. for you. Okay. How was your weekend? Ooh, ooh, full of Bali effects. Oh, really? In a way. How much of our business are we going to be putting out on this <laughs> experience? Well, I mean, we'll we figure are, it out. We are having the same conversations we have on our own. So I think, I think our audience needs to get like the breadth of what we talk about. Okay, all right, all in. I'll, I'll take my earrings off. So I have recently had a series of the same realization, so I'll just kind of blend them all together, but it's the same lesson. And that is, oh, wait, we haven't really told anybody who we are and like what we are in life or whatever. I mean, we're people. We are people. That's the main thing. Mm -hmm. But um, to perhaps anybody who doesn't know, oh. I am an entrepreneur and I am an artist and I have a law degree and I put them to work and I love theater. That's me in a nutshell. And chasing all of that sometimes is insanely overwhelming and exhausting. And it is starting to deplete me in many, many ways. And so what I have lately been realizing, my pivot, is that no is actually an option, even when I feel like I have no more options. It is. that. Pause. I'll just shut the mic. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of the podcast, everyone. No is an option. For sure it's an option. But even when you feel like you have no more options, because for me, feeling so just, oh man, my back is up against the wall and I have to, 
you know, take every case and I have to service every need and da 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 da. I just have to because there's always something that needs to be accomplished. There's always an explanation as to why to say yes. Yeah. But when it feels like I'm just out of options, I'm so desperate, I need to say yes to everything. I, I really don't have to. No. Did you say no to something good this weekend? No. <laughs> I really didn't, and I pissed myself off. Okay. In well, all honesty, because I now I'm feeling the stretch. Not here, not doing this, because yeah. this is fun, this yeah. is playtime. But I am now telling myself, now that I've had that Bali effect moment, uh-uh, I ain't doing shit. <laughs> I'm really shutting things down, and that's one of my resolutions. You know what I'd love to talk about on a separate podcast? Maybe we'll do one just us. Uh-huh. I'd love to figure out how we, what we say no to and what we say yes to and what the qualifiers are. Like, you know, the have to's and the get to's or like yes. responsible versus just saying, you know what, this is my life and I'm going to do what I want. Yes. Right? Yes. I w- have you seen the Toni Morrison documentary? I have. So, you know, where she's talking about she had like 50 million things to do and she made the list and she wrote down like, a hundred things. And she was like, I made the list of all the things that I needed to do. And it was like off the page. And then I realized, okay, among all of this, what do I really have to do? And she was like, raise my kids <laughs> and write my books. The good stuff. Yeah. The important stuff. Everything else falls away. Yeah. So you know what I have to do? A podcast. That's right. We're doing With a you. podcast. <laughs> Speaking of which. Oh, and so I... Yeah, who are have, you? Oh, who am I? So I am... A media person. I'm a storyteller. Uh, I think that's my main thing. I'm a storyteller. In fact, I do that at my quote work, mm-hmm. and I do that in life. Um, and I am super creative, or at least that's what I tell myself. Yes, you are. Those are the most important stories, the ones we tell ourselves. Yeah, and uh, I'm also, you know, just a girl trying to figure it out in New York City or in life. That gives me a list of things to do that we need to figure out how to bring down. We will. We will. But you know what we're going to do today? We're you gonna tell me. we're gonna talk to our super fabulous friend. I kind of get like <laughs> butterflies when she's around. I know. Maybe I shouldn't say that out loud. I <laughs> I also really feel as though we got picked for some sort of like you know I always got picked last in every all of the gym stuff in school. Oh, I know that's okay. I we'll talk want about you on my team <laughs> every but, time. But every time we get together with this person, I always feel like we got picked first. You know, Aww. so you know who are we talking to today? Michaela Malozzi, who is not only one of our dear friends and actually the person who is responsible for that Bali trip. Thank you. Thank you. But Michaela is also a four-time Emmy Award-winning host and executive producer of... Ooh, ooh. I, I say it and it, I'm like, oh my God. Right? Um, executive producer of Bare Feet with Michaela Malozzi. It's, uh, if you guys haven't seen it, it's this amazing travel series highlighting the diversity of dance, which airs on PBS, stations nationwide and on Amazon Prime, Dance Network, New York City Life, globally, probably many more places. How many countries are you running in now? A, a lot. Don't be shy. <laughs> no, uh, we're in a lot. <laughs> hey, guys. Hi, Hi Michaela. Hi, guys. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for being our very first guest. Just as an aside, this whole podcast got created in Michaela and her husband Paul's studio in their backyard in Nashville. So that you that's- guys will hear more on that another time. But that's how this, it was instantaneous. 
and beautiful and lovely. So today we're super giddy. That's the like a way that you describe a baller. And oh, just... just in their studio, in their backyard. Okay. Michaela Thank is you, a baller. Michaela. Hi. <laughs> Hi. You guys, that's what at least Paul and I, how we live our life. Like we want to try and do something, then we do it. And it can fail or it can succeed. And it's really amazing being in the studio with you guys after that magical weekend. Mm, um and hearing you guys just speak together, I was like, this is beautiful. Well, this you were the one going. who said it because we were just it was beautiful. shooting the breeze. And everyone's going to, uh, they're going to hear it too. So it's really beautiful. So thank you for having me. Well, welcome. Thank welcome, you. welcome, yeah. welcome. Can I play a little um, game? Sure. Yeah. Michaela. Yes. I I did some digging on you. It's so weird Uh-oh. to like do investigations <laughs> on your friends because <laughs> I only cyber stock dudes I'm interested in. <laughs> I'm so, trying to stop. I'm trying to stop. Listen, it's 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 part of the course at this point. But oh, what'd want, you find out? Well, no, this this is. I want you to educate us okay. about yourself because, okay. and I'm I'm. This is just me, Didi, just promoting something that I personally think is uh, relevant. Yeah. This does not reflect the views of the Bali Effect or of my lovely co-host, the Zodiac is something that sometimes people look to mm-hmm. for insight into human behavior. Mm-hmm. And I, I looked up your sign, mm-hmm. and is, is it true you are a Pisces? I am a Pisces. Okay, so check out this description that I found. Just for the record, oh. your co-host is very much into the Zodiac. Very okay. much. So we're, right. we're aligned already. See, it's cosmic. <laughs> it is. I it already is. felt that, but thank you for confirming okay. the natural. <laughs> So according to your Zodiac read, I can only read a couple of these in the interest of time, but you tell me if any of these descriptors feel true to you. And Preeti, since you know her so well, tell me if you think that these are accurate descriptions All right, of, let's of go. our wonderful Pisces friend. You're born in February. That's true. True. People- <laughs> <laughs> That's agree. true. I agree. Yes. <laughs> all right. All right. Nailed it. Nailed it. And next. No. People are attracted to you because you're you're able to relate to them by showing them that life is worth living. That was the opening statement. Whoa, whoa! That I have to say, uh, uh, is it a thousand and fifty percent lightning yes. bolt? There's more. Oh, you are infused with the power of empathy and determination. Yes, I think that's true. You are creative and innovative, and people turn to you for solutions in our society. Oh, wow. Like, seriously, I, I was reading this. I was like, Michaela, Michaela, <laughs> Michaela. Can you send me the link later? I sure will. <laughs> and to your career, this is like the specific career section. You are very dedicated to your work, and you carry out your assignments to the best of your ability, and you usually have outstanding results to show for it. How many Emmys did you say she had? <laughs> I know. How many countries is she in? I, I, you know, I don't know. I think it was 12 Emmys, really, when I counted no. on the, in Nashville. I, I mean, was alive. who's I, counting? It didn't, right, who's counting? She could have a chessboard. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's and, kind of amazing. Yeah, and the last one, I was like, oh, I, I couldn't not bring this into the conversation. You love adventure, and it has turned you into an explorer and a discoverer of sorts. What? Where did you find this You got reading? a stalker. I'm Listen, a girl, every time I've read Pisces, and I do think my usual Pisces description is pretty on point. It says you're very sensitive. Yes. You're overly sensitive. Uh, the empathy part, I get very sensitive about things. I'm I'm very sensitive to people and people's feelings. So, But that one is kind of crazy. That just feels like you were reading my tarot cards or something. It's 
And there's one more thing I want to add because Mikhail and I have actually talked about this over the years and being, you know, around people that are brands themselves or that have shows or books, et cetera. I think there's one thing that actually, you know, sets Mikhail apart. And then we'll let Michaela talk once I <laughs> Yes, yes. But the, the, I think it's your authenticity. Oh, of course. That was the the thing that really um, made me keen. You know, it's sort of you, you, you're doing this amazing thing and you're in front of the TV. Yeah, TV. <laughs> Did I say that? Camera. Yeah. But you are who you are both in front of the camera and off the camera. And I think that is rare. Thank you. So. And it translates. Thank you. It does. Seriously. Really well. Thank you so much, guys. Okay. This is like Mikhail Love Fest right here. I do a podcast every day. Basically, so do you get what the Bali effect is before we delve into your Bali effect moment? So explain a little more because I I think I understand it, but maybe also for our listeners to see what is the Bali effect. Yeah, because we never really broke it down. Only in the trailer kind of teaser did we say what it is. Because people are saying to me, oh, is it like going to... You know, Bali and and meditating all day. I'm like, no, 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 no. That sounds so blissful right about now. It does. I'll take it. You know, um, I, I what it really centers around is talking to everyday people about moments in their lives where they said, "Hold on a minute. You know, what's going on? Um, should I think about something differently? Should I, you know, use sort of obvious things? Should I move? Should I take a different job? Should I answer this phone call? Should I respond to this email?" And or, you know, kind of just talking through that point where you felt I'm going to move differently and the impact it had on your life. Right. Mm -hmm. So usually those moments um, are subtle sometimes and you don't even realize that you've made such a profound shift. And Mm -hmm. so the Bali effect is really talking to everyday people, um, you know, talking to my mom, you know, next week about moments in your lives where you really said, I want to change direction. And so what we're going to try and get out of our guests is a little conversation about what that meant. You know, what impact did it have on your life? What impact did it have, you know, to others? And then, you know, what would life be like if you didn't have that moment? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we're doing. What do you yes. think, Didi? Anything else? I have nothing to add. <laughs> is it clear to you? Very now? clear. Okay. And we named it the Bali Effect because we had moments when we met in Bali that ultimately um, made us shift. So, you know, personally, I decided to, to quit the job I had at the time, which led to probably one of the most amazing experiences of my life. another podcast we'll get to that and Mm -hmm. so we think you know everyone has these moments so yeah all the time all the time so you did not always have a successful dance world traveling television show (laughs) no so please can you tell us what was the moment for you when you decided wait a minute this could be a core a goal for me when did this come into being for you? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So, Didi, I think we also should should tell our listener, your listeners, that you were one of my first dance students ever. What I ever? in life? I did not even know that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that. So I was working <laughs> at a law firm that was around the corner from a gym where Michaela was teaching. The and Vanderbilt had, Y, yes, in and, Turtle Bay. Yes, shout out to the Y, wonderful place, great community, and. I needed a stress outlet. I had, at the age of 27, started to have like heart problems. Yeah, I remember. And I went to a cardiologist 
And she like had me on the stress chest, you know, when they put all those like plugs on yeah. your chest yeah. and your arms and they put you on the treadmill mm-hmm. to like see where you're going. And then after all that, I sat in her office and she, I said, well, I'm too young to have a heart attack, right? She was like, I just did quadruple bypass at a 28-year-old on Wall Street. No, you're not. You need to learn to manage your stress. And I'm like, oh, I don't have any time to get to the gym, blah, blah, blah. But I don't want to, you know, check out this early in the game. So let me go. And that week, I go, I get myself a gym membership. And I remember coming down the stairs my first week there. And there's this beautiful picture of this woman. And she's in an awesome Bollywood outfit. And it just said Masala Bhangra. I'm like, that looks cool. And so I saw that it was, you know, a class coming up. So I just went to the first one. And this beacon of light is at the front of the cast. Just a ball of energy. Yeah. To me, like your show to me could be like Joy in Motion. That could be the name. I love that name. I love that name. Joy in Motion. I might take that. Go for for another project. So she was your very first student? So, okay. So I was a, a, I... It's funny because Bare Feet, which is the show, represents everything that I love about my life, which is... Funky feet. Funky feet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you, funky feet. No. Is traveling and dancing yeah. and making friends with strangers by dancing with them mm-hmm. and not giving a bleep about whatever. Is making a fool of myself, but also respectfully communicating with people on a different level. And I also, it's sort of a mishmash of all of the skills that I've built over the years of being able to talk to people and being able to connect with people, but also travel skills and my dance training. Look, I'm not a professional looking dancer because I love to eat a lot of food. So that being said, it is a culmination of everything in my life that I love so much that on January 15th, I had this aha moment, which is like the Bali effect moment. I'll never forget that day. Woke up in the middle of the night. Paul and I, my husband, were just dating at the time. What year was this, Michaela? 2010. 2010. 2010. At that time, I was a full-time dance teacher. Didi, your class was the very first dance class I ever got. Whoa. Yeah. And I was teaching part-time at that time. I was working at a PR firm before that I worked in the music industry. I used to work with metal bands. I was uh, in the management company for a band called Slipknot and Stone Sour. So did you know that she was a composer? I went to school for music composition. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I had stopped. Rockstar. No. (laughs) Uh, I had folks. I'm speechless. No. And I, I used to play a bunch of instruments. I So I had, this is what I mean. My life was this culmination is a, and like everyone's lives is a culmination of things. I used to, I danced my whole life growing up. I made music my whole life growing up. And I decided to go to school for music, for music composition, because I knew I wasn't going to be a dancer. And that's why I'm saying like, I don't, I'm not built like a dancer, right? Famous those words. Laughing now. <laughs> <laughs> so then fast forward and I worked in the music industry, got burnt out. Um, then became a full-time dance teacher by doing Masala Bhangra. Serena Jane took me under her wing, and then I worked as her right-hand woman. So I was really doing, like, business side of things, creative side stuff. I was a full-time dance teacher at dance studios in New York City and in Connecticut. How many classes were you teaching 
each week. Because I remember on it was like, the day that we had class, you had like five in one day. I'm like, how is she doing this? Yeah, I was teaching about 17 classes a week. A week. Oh. And this was all Masala Bunga. No. Oh, no, no, no. Things, I would yeah. teach m- maybe four or five Masala Bunga classes a week. But on top of that, I was teaching at dance studios. So ballet, jazz, tap, wow. modern, uh and I was in really great shape. I was I dancing all the time. I ain't been at the gym in about seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I, I, amazing. I just this moment where you went from you know this very you know specific uh-huh. music career to teaching, and you yeah. know even saying I'm not a dancer, I'm going to do this. To I'm teaching seventeen classes. Yeah, I mean was, that's 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 a pivot. Yeah, a huge pivot. So that first pivot was in two thousand seven. No. 2008, right when the market crashed. That was the first pivot where I realized I don't like sitting in front of a desk. Yeah. I don't like being in one place. I can't be stationary, which I found out now is like the epitome of me. I cannot be stationary. Um, And I made the first pivot to become a part-time dance teacher and working for Serena and then became a full-time dance teacher. Um, And that was really wonderful. But what I realized a few years in is I got injured. I don't remember if you I my, my you knee used to wear the band already. Mm-hmm. So I got injured, and as a freelancer, this was before Obamacare. Like I had no health insurance, I had no paid time off. You don't get workman's comp, so it was really scary. Wow. It was like, wow, I can't do my job anymore. I can't even do the thing I love because I'm in pain, right? And I could be making my body worse, right? I need to figure out something else, or some there has to be something else. But I couldn't see myself doing. Not doing dance. Did you did you have a moment where you thought, okay, this is it, man? I yeah, have to, I have to maybe go get a desk job or figure. You know, did you actually say I'm I'm going to figure something out in this space, or did you have a uh, sort of a like no. the very bottom of the yeah yeah? It was. I'll remember. This was when my husband Paul was on tour, so he was touring, um, and I did a temp job for about a week. I did a, a string of temp jobs for a week. And the first day, no, this was the third day. It was for this company that had like fire insurance. Hmm. It was such a random company. And I was the receptionist for like a day. And I have pretty thick skin. Right. And I left that job crying. Oh, dear. Calling Paul and saying, I am never doing this again. I will figure it out. I'm never doing this again. The bo- the man who ran the company was like abusive, verbally mm-hmm. abusive to everyone. And it wasn't, I was crying because I was like, he's mean to me. I was like, I don't want to end up, I don't want to end up like this. This is not the life I want. I don't want to be having to put up with this because I have to. And that's what made me so, I was angry. I was like right. so frustrated and angry. Like how do people, why do people treat people like this? Yeah. This is crazy. And I don't, I don't want to live my life like this. So that was a, a big moment of like, what am I going to do? Right. May I interject for a moment? Yeah, you may. And I don't even want to sound narcissistic, but it sounds like you realize that no to the bullshit was still an option. Yeah. <laughs> even though you felt like you were out. <laughs> you know, right. I might yeah. write that down and yeah, like might. put it on my mirror. Okay. <laughs> it, Continue your story. It's please. true, though. I mean, it, uh, you have, I don't know, there was a moment where I knew deep down inside there was something bigger and more bigger that I had to 
to find, that I had to discover. Do you think that you would have reached that realization if the environment had been pleasant? If, if no, it treated it prob- you well and you were pro- getting, a, you know, good money or something like that and, you know, it's a job. Right. It probably would have taken longer. So I'm grateful that the guy was a terrible human being. Um, <laughs> the only time we shall thank anyone. For yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, there is pain yeah. and purpose at the same time. Exactly. Wow. But going back to January 15th of 2010, right? it was sort of this un... Uh, sort of this random moment, and of course, quote unquote, random, right? I was in the middle of sleeping, dead asleep, woke myself up, shot out of bed, and we used to live on First Avenue, so the the streetlights would come into our bedroom. Paul's dead asleep next to me, and I woke up like my heart was pounding, and I could see bare feet. I didn't know it was going to be called bare feet, but I could see a projection like out of my eyeballs of what this show was of me traveling the world and dancing around the world in all these beautiful costumes and meeting all these wonderful people. And I, what's crazy is like I could picture everything that has come to fruition since that night has come true that I saw in like a vision. Had you smoked something no, before you went nothing, to sleep? nothing, nothing. Also, you know, what I'm thinking is how many different conversations we can have off of Michaela's one moment. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, but no, most notably, I do think, I do think uh, ideas, projects, relationships, friendships that are meant to happen do happen. Mm-hmm. And when the timing is right, you get that little nudge. And it sounds like. Someone, oh, it was a big nudge. Someone was it like, I'm like going to wake up, Michaela. <laughs> I literally got woken up in the middle of the night yeah. from so, my brain. So this wasn't something that you had been contemplating beforehand? No. There was there was one, and it might have been a year before, but I remember, because I would I studied abroad the summer between my sophomore and junior year, so I caught the travel bug then and would save up money so I could travel every year. And when I became a dance teacher, I would teach abroad and then spend the summers in Europe teaching and then traveling. Um but I remember um, I had this idea during one of those trips, like it was the first iteration of Bare Feet Tours was I thought, wouldn't it be great to start a tour company where we could offer dance itineraries? And I, I remember sitting at my parents' table. My cousin was home as well. And we were all sitting. I was like, would you want to go on a trip like that? Like, wouldn't that be cool? And they were like, mm. <laughs> I don't know. Clearly, a bunch of other people. Look, it. <laughs> it's all right if your family doesn't believe in you. Right. That's no, its own no that, that's a whole thing. <laughs> right. So that was like Not a so little twinkling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like that was the little twinkling of mm-hmm. something. But then I just kind of put it away for yeah. at least a year. Mm-hmm. But it was no, it was like a smack across the head of like wake up. So then after I woke up, I had I found like a notebook and just started writing notes of these ideas because I didn't want to forget. And then the next morning I saw all this like two pages of scribble and I always keep a notepad next to my bed now to this day because I'll wake up and have these ideas. Now sometimes I'll email email myself like the idea, but this is before smartphones. Mm -hmm. Right. And I had this idea and I could see it. And every day I would like, when you have that jump start at the initial point, it's like, your brain is flooded with so many ideas of like, it could go this way, it could go that way. And there's like so, so many directions that it could go into. And that pivot point was, okay, where do I want to end up? Mm. And what are the little baby steps to get me there? 
And I think that's where I have, I think I'm good at that is finding, figuring out how to get to the point where I want to get to, or someone else has to get to. It's, it's, I didn't have connections in TV. I didn't even, I'd never had any TV production experience or TV hosting experience. And people thought I was crazy. Like the next morning I told Paul, I was like, Hey, I have this idea for a show. I'm going to travel and dance around the world. He's like, Oh, (laughs) Paul. Yeah. (laughs) He loves me and he's supportive, but it's a crazy idea to be fair. Yeah. And, in hindsight, it's like, who wouldn't believe in the idea? Because it's worked out so well. well. But if this was not your training, yeah, no. if this is not something that you knew anybody, yeah. I could see why one might be skeptical. Yeah, Especially you people know. that love you and are concerned for your safety. And also f- concerned, like, she keeps having, she's like, she quit a this. perfectly jo- perfectly good job mm. to become a full-time dance teacher. Now she wants to travel the world and dance around the world like... Yeah. I, crazy i you know we're that's talk- so jerry Maguire, by the way what you just described <laughs> continue no i i i want i want our listeners to like totally immerse themselves in this idea of it just doesn't matter when you want to do something try it yeah and i'm not even emphasizing it to the point that i want to because there's nothing stopping you. Yeah. You know, they I think we all have limitations or we have things where we say we can't quit this job uh for financial reasons or we can't do this for X Y and Z, so do it in your spare time. Yes, and that's what I want to iterate to people. I do a lot of speaking engagements at like content creators conferences and entrepreneurial conferences and I think what the mis the misguided information is you have this idea and you quit your job and you just go it for no. it 100%. No. No, 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 no. Right. It's this gradual, it's like a seesaw. Right. Right? All the weight is on one side, which is you and your full-time job. And you have maybe like 1% of your time goes into creating, figuring out what your passion is and what right. your passion project is. And gradually, I mean, it took me years until this became my full-time job. Right. And I think at least four years before I was able to quit teaching dance altogether and focusing entirely on bare feet, the blog, the web series, and then now the TV show. But, um, that's a huge misconception that people think like, I I have to invest everything in that. Well, that's like failure 101, you know, that's not responsible. Right. It's not logical and you can still do both. It has to be that gradual process. I came to the process of figuring out when to switch over was when, okay, 50, more than 50% of my time is now going into bare feet. Mm-hmm. And I want, if I want this to become uh, my full-time job, I have to invest 100% of my time. And that's when I knew I had to make the, the switch because I saw opportunity to make it money from it and have a viable business, mm-hmm. but also that it was taking legs it had there was progress right in this project it wasn't just this flatline stationary a couple I would say a couple months ago or maybe even a year ago we had a conversation there was a there was there was a moment where you actually thought I gotta I gotta close shop you'd been working on this for a long time Mm -hmm. um you had seen a lot of traction in terms of viewership and distribution but you really were struggling I think a little bit with you know how does this become bigger Mm -hmm. what at that moment made you say because I I remember you saying I I think I might be done with this Mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about 
what made you say, uh-uh? Yeah. So that was about uh, almost two years ago okay. now. Wow. That's how much time, I know, time flies. <laughs> um, I never in this whole process until that moment was I say, thinking to myself, you can't do this. Ooh. And this was the first time where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I physically can't do this anymore. Financially, I can't do this anymore. Public television, for listeners who don't know the structure of it, and a lot of people don't, is as an independent producer, I don't get any money from PBS. I don't get any money from public television. I have to find all the underwriting and sponsorship. So the brought to you in part by mm -hmm. those brands, that's what helps make the show, helps pay to distribute the show, right. helps make it exist. So... At that point, I was ready to start filming, but we didn't have any funding. No funding would come through. And it was this weird juxtaposition of walking down the street and having people come up to me in tears and saying how impactful the show has been to them and asking them, asking me to keep going, you know, and they share it with their kids and their families and getting accolades like Emmy Awards. I mean, that's incredible. And then on the other end, the bank account not showing anything for it you know there it was this weird and still is sometimes this weird um realization that it's it success doesn't always mean the same thing f to everybody right and you can't always measure it by the same uh attributes so i don't i i was in a really dark place i was in a really really yeah. really dark place and you can ask Paul, I was like crying every day. <laughs> I mean, I still hit those moments, but um, I don't know. I plowed through it because, again, when I first had the idea for Bare Feet, I knew deep down in the bottom of my heart, I knew it was such a good idea. And even when people wouldn't give me a chance, which now in retrospect, like you said, Didi, like, why would they give me a chance? I'd never been in front of the camera. I pitched to all these producers and TV networks and and they're like, good luck with that, you know? And I'm like, why don't they want to put me on camera? I'm like, cause I've never been on camera, you know, like it would be insane. But, um, you know, having that moment, I think what happened was at that moment, I'll try and say this quickly cause I know, um, we don't want to run too much over, yeah, but I keep talking, <laughs> but the, so when I first started bare feet, no one would give me a chance. Right. I pitched it and pitched it and no TV executives would want it to touch it. I just want to pause there for one second because yeah. I think this is worth mentioning. At that time, we didn't have sort of this crazy digital evolution mm -hmm. of distribution, which mm -hmm. is actually my day job. But that's neither here nor there. But I think what's so interesting is, you know, it opens up opportunity in many ways and you think it's easier, but it's actually probably slightly more uh, complicated at this point. So mm -hmm. I love when you talk about I was pitching to TV executives because not so long ago, that was the only way you got content anywhere. Right. Right. Exactly. And you were ahead of the curve <laughs> big time, but this came to you from the vision and you just followed it. I mean, what I'm hearing is you got the compass early long before you got the map. Yeah. You, you, and that's, you know what I mean? That was good. She's good. No, but I'm, I'm getting this from listening to her. You knew where you were heading. You just didn't know how to get there. Yeah. And I think a lot of people feel that. They have some moment of, of inspiration or an idea that they feel very strongly about, but get overwhelmed and intimidated yeah. with the 
but how in yeah. the world? Yeah. And also I think a misconception is even th that what I'm hearing is that success for you has not been um, finite or static mm -hmm. because you can get the show, you can get on TV, you can get, you know, ads in the subway. I mean, joy upon joy. So you remember when she started running I in the, in the taxis? No, the know, subway. The subway and the taxis. I remember and meeting Michaela with the, do you remember <laughs> the, the prints, uh, the images? And I remember exactly where we met. We met at uh, Barvalo Chan, 7th Avenue. Mm -hmm. And she pulls out these prints of these subway ads and tells me they're going to be on the e-train and i had i didn't even like even now i'm telling the story it was phenomenal exciting Wait. and at the same time she's still having to hustle <laughs> that's the thing people i'm sure you just saying that it, it was still yeah. a lot of things that were not coming together while outwardly yeah you seem like you had it all. Yeah. Meanwhile, we we've taken Michaela away from. So Sorry. you're in front of the no, TV no, 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 executives. No, no, okay. no, no, no. no I wasn't. I was never in front of the TV executives. Oh, I would pitching. call them yeah. pitching. No one would give me a chance. And fast forward, I knew deep down in my heart this was a good idea, and I used my savings and hired friends because I went to NYU. So we had friends from film school. We stayed in my grandmother's farmhouse and we filmed the very first episode which I put together, it was my, I come from a family of immigrants. So that episode is me going back to my roots in Minturno, Italy. Beautiful. And I got to dance with the local uh, folkloric dance group. There's this big wheat harvest festival. Um, and the point of that is I knew everything about that place, but when it came to, we were there and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to be in front of the camera. I had no idea what to say in front of the camera. It was really hilarious. Like I was really good at all the pre-production and setting everything up. Anyway, get back to New York, put together a sizzle reel. We pitch it to third-party production companies. So a third-party production company basically pitches and tries to sell a show, a pilot, to a network. I wanted to be on Travel Channel at the time. At the time, they still played travel content. They don't have travel content anymore. <laughs> but at the time, they did. And fast forward, this third-party production company um, was like, we have a great relationship with Travel Channel. Sign an, a year's exclusive agreement with us, a shopping agreement. I didn't know better, so I signed it. Two weeks later, we find out Travel Channel signed an identical show called Dance Around the World, which is a beautiful show. So I find out there's another show already coming out on Travel Channel, which means they're not going to sign my show. She's a, a beautiful former... Um, competitive ballroom dancer. And then the third party production company in the same conversation, I said, well, can we pitch it to someone else? And they're like, no. I said, well, then can I have my footage back? They're like, sure, you can pay us $30,000 or you can wait out your year's agreement. They, there, no monies were ever exchanged. What? So. I, did, I didn't know this. So I had, wow. at this moment. Girl, you should have called me. At this moment, <laughs> at this moment, I had just spent all my savings filming a pilot of a TV show that I had this crazy idea for, didn't know what I was doing, found out another show had just been picked up on the network that I wanted to be on, and also found out that I could not touch the footage that I paid for for mm. a whole year. Was this a moment that you cried? Oh, yeah. actually making me cry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, my God. Yeah. But that's a moment where a lot of people would just be like, all right, I'm done. I'm done. And again, there were, I mean, I've hit so many rock bottoms mm -hmm. that 
deep down in my heart, I was like, I know I can do this. Even though there was no proof that I could do this, I knew I could do this. So within that year, I was like, I'm not trying to do this to be on TV. I'm trying to do this to tell stories about how impactful connecting with people with dance is, how it's been for me and how it can help people. So after that day, every single day in New York, I went out and took dance or went out to hear music and I would write about it. So I started the blog and I started building my skills in storytelling. Now, I say that story because A, I'm very proud of the fact that I didn't let that screw me up. But it's also when I felt pretty much that low Mm -hmm. two years ago before we started shooting this new season of Bare Feet, I thought if I could get past that, all of that, Mm -hmm. I can get past this. And what kept driving me was I felt like when I wake up in the morning, there's nothing else I want to do except this. Mm. And so I have to figure out how to do this because I can't picture myself doing anything else. And that's what eventually I talk about pivot. I think that's one of my main mantras is one, figure it out. That's what my old boss used to say to me was like, figure it out. And so that's how I, I do things is I just have to figure out how to get it done and pivoting. It's like you hit a wall. Okay, now I'm going to turn left and try and go around the wall or under the wall or over it or drill a hole in it or just figuring out how do I get to the next step where I have to get in order to make this possible. So that's that's that. And you know what? <laughs> I, I would also say, you know, for those of you that are listening that are like, okay, all right, I'm into this. You can stop. You can rest. Yeah. You can take a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but just take that time and – Keep going. Mm-hmm. Keep well, going. Absolutely. And what I love that you were able to tap into was the power of what you did have at your disposal. Yeah, you might not have had the connections, but you had friends. Mm-hmm. You know, you might not have known where you're going to go, but you had a grandma who was willing to, mm-hmm. you know, lend her home to you. You didn't know, you know, where things were going to go, but you had more and really everything that you needed to get it off the ground. Mm-hmm even when it seemed like you had nothing. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I personally have to remind myself. And I think a lot of people, because they think that their dreams are completely out of their reach and inconceivable. And sometimes we have amazing networks. Anybody living in a metropolitan area Mm -hmm. who is able to have a conversation, I mean, digitally, we can all connect even across, you know, many, many miles. There's so much more opportunity to make your dreams come true without spending a fortune. Although I, I'm really furious. We're going to have to have another conversation. <laughs> you know, did you ever get your footage back? I did. That was the first episode. That was the series premiere. How long did that take? One year. So I got it back a year. Ugh. And then uh, I hired a, an editor to make short YouTube videos. I remember. In uh, segments. YouTube station. Yeah. 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 And then when... I was I again kept thinking PBS was you pitch it you pitch it so I wanted to do public television and I was pitching to programmers and I pitched to NYC Life thinking they're going to sign my show it doesn't work like that but they were the first station to give give me a chance and mm-hmm. so I only had YouTube videos shout and get, out NYC Life yes <laughs> yes and they um called me and were like after a month, I had pitched them. I sent them a short video, and they're like, we'd love to air your show. We want 13 episodes starting next month. I'm like, okay, yes. And then I hung up the phone. I'm like, I don't have 
a TV show. I have a YouTube series. But then that opportunity came and it's like, okay, I got to figure it out. How do I make a half hour episode out of stuff that I've shot? Half That first season back in 2014 was me. A lot of episodes were from my YouTube series of me filming myself or asking strangers to hold my camera while I was dancing with a group. I mean, you figure it out. You do. You You figure it out. There you go. You get everyone in Bali and shoot an episode there. Yes. (laughs) And that's what we did. Proud to say. I'm proud to say I'm part of two episodes. You are, girl. So am I. Yes, you are. Oh, I'm in the back. Look at the girl. She's doing Masala Bhangra. Oh. She's in the. She's in the. Um, I know she got a speaking role. Yes, you that's and your sister. Right. <laughs> My she sister didn't. loved that day. But that's. But see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Is especially the New York series, right? Um, they're my friends. These are all the people in my life, in my dance life in New York, that I got to showcase. And it, we do that in the new season where I got my DNA tested. A lot of the groups that we show are people that I've met over the years. You know. You know, uh, you mentioned something before that I I just have to talk Mm -hmm. about, and that's, you know, you wanted to tell people about dance and community and how dance brings people together, Mm -hmm. right? And this, we're sitting here today, honestly, because we all tapped into something called Masala Bhangra, and that'll be a separate episode when we talk to the founder of Masala Bhangra. But um, walking into that class has fundamentally changed my life. Absolutely. And that's Ditto. one person. Uh, I remember the morning after class having brunch and our dear friend Ritu uh, saying, oh, Michaela's having a trip to Bali. And this was 12 months, 11 months before you were actually going. And we said, let's go. And there's so many moments. So I think about, you know, this is just me. I can't imagine how many other people have really you know, whose lives you've changed, oh, whose hearts you. you've touched, who you've opened their eyes to something different just by dancing. And I love that. Absolutely. I mean, I love it. And I'm so happy that you stuck with that vision. Thanks. Because dance is a language that almost everyone is fluent in. So you don't have to be presented with the same language barriers that you, you know, you go to. If I went to the Wheat Festival, Sono Studiato Poquito Talent. Italiano, brava, dell'università. I don't forgot <laughs> everything, but I forgot all my Italian. But I could rock with them yeah. on the ones and twos. Yes, you can. You know, not necessarily well, but I can keep a beat. And you can do that anywhere in the world. And yeah. you have exemplified that so beautifully. I would like to ask you, how many no's did you hit? Oh, if God. you had to quantify them before NYC Life said yes, thirteen episodes make it happen. Okay, let's quantify it in years. Whoa. So, right, 20, 2010 is when I had the idea, and 2014 is when they said yes. Four years Four of years. struggle. Four years of no. And look, those no's kept going past that, right? NYC Life is a little local station. It's not little. A local station that gets a lot of viewers, but they put me on at a really weird time to begin with. And I put together these 13 episodes. Some were really great. Some were not so great. Um, But another producer friend of mine said, you know, you should submit to New York Emmys since you are locally. And I got, I'll never forget the day. It was my birthday was when they had the live New York Emmy nomination announcement. So I went to the studio. I didn't tell anyone I had submitted. No one in my family. I didn't tell anyone that I was going. Sit in and I'm watching live because they're live streaming it at the CUNY studios. 
And all of a sudden they're like, for best uh, program, I forget what, it was like magazine program or something. And they're like, bare feet with Mikel Mazzi. I was like, <gasps> <laughs> and you had to be quiet because it was live. We were in the audience. There were only like 20 people in the audience. And I turned and I'm like looking around and I start crying, <laughs> of course. And I look, everyone's just calm because they go to this every year and everyone's like in the industry. So they're totally cool. And I was like, that's me. <laughs> that's me. And then she said my name again. <laughs> and I was like, I can't believe this. And then like, it was just amazing. So I called the station. I told them. And they're like, oh my gosh, we want another season now. And we're going to put you in a better time slot. And then I won the Emmy for best host. And that was the best part. So not to like brag, but. Go ahead. Brag. Go ahead. No, no, no. Do it. Do it. You I, I have to talk to all them MFers who were like, you shouldn't be on well, the, as the host. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because there were every, every producer that I did get in front of said, this is an interesting idea, but you won't be the host. We're going to hire an actress or a model or, mm -hmm. you know. I didn't look the part, and I got that, but I was really – that gave me the – that gave me the determination to prove them wrong. Love it. But – so I won four Emmys, right? The first three – and I'm not bullshitting you guys. The first three felt like a mistake. Like they made a mistake. No, no, no. What? no. It, imposter syndrome, imposter it, syndrome real. is really real. That's, that's real. very real. It's the, real. The first three. I feel that right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the first three, like, especially the first one, I was like, they made a mistake. Second one, they made a mistake. They did that with Moonlight, so it actually can happen. You no, know, no, but you know what I mean? It, like, it felt like I got either really lucky or something, something. I got lucky. I just felt like I got really okay. lucky. And then this, the last one, the fourth one, is when I got up there and I was like, yeah, I do deserve this. That was the very first time that I felt like, Michaela, you have worked so hard. You deserve every bit of this and go up there and be proud of that. And that was the first award speech that I gave that wasn't like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. It was like, thank you. And I dedicated it to those producers that told me no. <laughs> I love it. I did. I love it. I did. Oh my goodness. Well, my my last question. Yeah. Where do you think your life would be now had you not, after having the vision, summon the courage to pursue it if you had not you? said yes to your body? I don't think she'd be selling fire insurance. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, no. <laughs> I don't think it was – it's funny. I don't think it's having the courage to do that. I know that sounds silly. No. It's, um, it's, it's being crazy enough to listen – like clinically insane enough to listen to the voice in your head that just won't stop talking to you. Or when you do listen to it, then – because once you listen to it – I think you said this in the first podcast episode – the, it was a quote from Oprah, right? Where it's like, Just tapping, tapping it. it, and then it yes. slaps you across the face, right, right, right. right? The brick, the brick. Yeah, I think, I think that's what I don't. A, I don't want to imagine my life without it, and I can't. Um, and I can't. There's, I just can't. Like that's that's why I know I had to keep going with it because I cannot see myself doing anything else. So you you call it crazy, but it is courageous to listen to that voice mm. because we all have it and a lot of us ignore it so I do think there is an aspect of courage to say 
you know, along with your crazy. <laughs> a lot of crazy. You are crazy. <laughs> um, that, that is a courageous thing to say, I'm, I hear you and I'm going to listen mm-hmm. and do this. So there, you know, it's not all cray. It's yeah. a little, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, for sure. My only lament, my ass gained 10 pounds when she stopped teaching <laughs> class. I never Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> we okay. should, we should maybe all revisit this dancing Me thing. Me too. Of course. Uh, Michaela, we cannot thank you. Thank you guys. Enough. I love you so much. Um, I love you guys. We're here. I'm so proud of you guys for doing this podcast. It's I'm amazing. Just we're, just, we're, just, we're having our, you know, sofa conversations with yes, microphones. I but um, all of our listeners, Michaela Malozzi, you can watch the new season of Bare Feet airing now on your local PBS station. Follow Michaela and her dance adventures at Travel Bare Feet on all the socials and go to travelbarefeet.com for more info on how to join Michaela on an upcoming trip in 2020. Woo! Yes. You're going to be dancing your way along the Danube River on a talk river cute. I almost had it, guys. It was beautiful. <laughs> Talk River Cruise. Talk River Cruise. Talk River Cruise. Go. Yeah, we're going to be doing Schuplatler in Germany, yes. uh, Viennese Waltz in yes. Vienna, and a little, a few more surprises along the way. What What are those dates? Renaissance Woman. April 2020 and October 2020. We're doing two trips. Mark your calendars, people. Yes. Maybe we should do live podcasting from there. I'm with it. All right. All right. Cool. So catch us next time when we talk to some other lovely guests about their moment. And as I'm learning, please follow us on Instagram at at underscore. Wait, no. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning social media, people. I'm a unicorn. The underscore Bali underscore effects. What she said. That's yeah. what I said. Follow us on Instagram. Yes. Thank right. you. Thank you very much, Michaela. Michaela. Teddy Makasi. Yeah. Teddy Makasi. Makasi.